0: And Welcome to episode 54 of No Crying in Baseball. It's the Game 7 is the best game episode. I love Game 7. Yesterday we had a Game 7. My team lost Game 7, but you know what? It was still fun to watch because all series should go that far. That means it's the best teams playing each other. Although I've got a friend here who's a little happy that a certain series didn't go to seven games. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. I love game seven too.
1: And you've you've educated me well that game seven is the ultimate. But you know what? It's so much more fun when it isn't your team, your team in your heart, your team in your soul. Because yes, I was with you for the brewers by the end, whenever Hap wasn't pitching, because and that, oh, wait, 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 hater, hater. hater. Yeah. Then I could root for the Brewers. But as soon as I saw hater out there, it was a little bit of an issue. However, the Red Sox going in five games feels so much better. I am really happy that didn't go to
0: a game seven. When we calm down from our happy dance, we'll get back to what's happening on today's show. We're going to have a postseason boyfriend report. We're going to discuss the villainy of Manny Machado. Boy, he's on a list for us right now. Mm-hmm. A brief vocabulary lesson, fan interference. We're going to talk about stealing signs because there's there's a kerfluffle happening in Major League Baseball right now. And we're going to have our World Series previews and predictions. What's happening in boyfriend land?
1: I'm really happy that the Red
0: Sox beat the Astros, but I've got to say that I'm
1: really sad about the state of Altuve, my Astros boyfriend right now. All through the series, it was really hard to root against him, especially because I knew he was hurt. And it's that mom instinct, you know, feeling like, well, he's hurt. They're putting him in DH. Should he really be running? He's still going to run the bases. Something's going to be wrong. He actually had knee surgery. I had no clue it was this bad when we were watching the series, but he had knee surgery this past Saturday, and it was a kneecap avulsion fracture, which I didn't know what that means, but it's pretty gross. It means a small chunk of the bone attached to a tendon or ligament has pulled away from the main part of the bone. So this is horrible. And he got this in July. And he yes, he was on the DL for a while, and that was a big deal. We talked about that, right? Because it was his first time ever on the DL, so he didn't want to go on. But he finally went on. He's been off since, what, August 21st? And he's been playing on this fractured bone part, not connected knee since then. That's bad. I My heart goes out to Mrs. Altuve, meaning
0: his mom. Right? Yeah. And everyone's talking about how brave he is. For walking it off and playing through the pain and being there for his team, and I'm with you. I have the mom instinct. I'm like, don't make it worse, honey. You're not going to be able to play next year. So I'm with you. And I think that that Senora Altuve need, needs our love and support getting through this time where her son is trying to put on a brave face and is screwing up his knee even worse. Stop it, stop it, Altuve, please. And I really
1: hope he's okay. He they say he's going to be okay before spring training, but I, you know, let's just. Put a little bit of caution in there. Take it easy. If you don't make it to the first game, just rest it up. We're with your mother.
0: I don't know that he'll even tell us, though, if he's not feeling great. That's the problem. All right, let's talk about who's left. Who do you got left in the past season? More boyfriends.
1: We're down to two teams, two teams. So we each have two boyfriends left who are playing. Mookie Betts, Pookie, who's been my guy through this whole thing. He's done some pretty amazing things and some controversial things, which we'll get to later. And then Kike Hernandez, you know, of all the other guys to be playing against the Red Sox, this is the guy that I am most excited about following. He's hysterical. He talked about having e d in a in a tweet after one of the games, and it was. Something like uh, emotion dysfunction is what he translated <laughs> as the end because the crowd was just not cheering by the end of the game and it was dead in Dodger Stadium. He's like, you guys, what's going on? He apologized for it, which is pretty funny because he's he saw people get upset about it and he actually responded to it. I thought it was hysterical. And he also posted a really uh, beefcake kind of picture of him and Cody Bellinger, one of our BMX dudes, with their shirts off and a 12-pack between them. No, more like a case. They had they were, they were really looking good. And he said, bodies by Chase, which is Chase Utley, his dad on the team. And it's his last season. So paying a little homage to the pop.
0: Yeah, I have some words for Chase Utley, too. But yeah. that, that's a whole other category. We'll get there. OK, so my remaining boyfriends, Matt Kemp on the Dodgers, was an all-star this year. right? He had a bad couple of years. He came back big. He made the all-star team this year. And yet he only played, he only started three postseason games. Um, and those were against left-handed pitchers. So the Dodgers, this is gonna play into their strategy going forward, and it was definitely part of their strategy against the Brewers. They move people around like crazy. Last week, Potty Math was talking about how Kiki Hernandez has played every position except for catcher. He's not the only one that's been moved around quite a bit. And Matt Kemp, who's a legitimate star on the team, is saying, We've all bought in. It doesn't matter if you're a veteran or you're a new guy on the team. You're going to do whatever Dave Roberts tells you to do to come back and to win the series and then to come back and win the World Series. An example of that is Cody Bellinger of Bodies by Chase fame. He won the NLCS MVP, right, for this this series that just ended last night with that game seven. But he really only made an impact in two of the games, two out of seven of the games. But because the responsibilities were so Spread out among the team. Different people got to shine in different games. So those two games of being outstanding were enough to give him the MVP for the whole series. That gives me
1: sort of two conflicting ideas. One is that the Dodgers are so strong and so deep Mm -hmm. that Dave Roberts can do that, that these amazing players aren't playing, you know, too many games but the other one is is Dave Roberts micromanaging too much. You know, what if a guy's on a roll? What if somebody's starting to really heat up? Should they just get more airtime regardless of what the the micro matchups are going to be? And I guess we'll see how that plays off in the World Series.
0: Yeah, so far it's worked for him because he made it they made it they made it to the World Series. Now, I want Chris Taylor. I want to just put him out there because Matt Kemp is my on the books boyfriend, but if he's not going to play very much, I want to just Claim right now, it's probably against the rules, but I don't care, that I want Chris Taylor to be my emergency backup boyfriend, and I'm basing this completely on his amazing game seven catch, where he caught Christian Yelich's hit that could have scored. It, it, it would have been a game changer had that hit gone gone through, and Chris Taylor, who normally plays the infield, was playing the outfield, and he made the most amazing go-for-it kind of catch that I've seen. So you should get extra
1: boyfriend points for that because that is parallel to your Benny. So there's there's some characteristics. You've got a thing going, you know, you've got a certain type,
0: right? I do, yeah. So so Benny's my Red Sox boyfriend, and he has been a superstar, especially, right? That that game-saving catch that he did when the bases were loaded and Kimberly was getting in trouble and he caught that ball, which no one thought that anybody was a diving catch. It was stupendous. He saved the damn game. And then after that, he also caught the last out for the last game, which was nice, but it wasn't quite as earth shattering. But yeah, I like defense is sexy. I got I to gotta put out there, defense is sexy. I, you know, and usually I like the infield guys, but right now the outfield is totally doing it for me. And re-watching that catch, the one that he dived for, mm-hmm. is
1: worth it to see his after catch reaction. It is the most like tribal, huge, mouth open roar. He's just so full of emotion from it. It's such a beautiful picture. I'm keeping him. I think you should. The, the the other thing that I was thinking of, though, with with the Dodgers was that you need an emergency backup boyfriend with them. Because last year with Kike Hernandez, I had a hard time picking him because he kept not playing. So I think that's the way the Dodgers go. And the Dodgers are going to be playing my team now, though, the Red Sox. So I'm trying to separate a little bit. I've got to Get a little bit of distance from Kike because this time, as opposed to last year when we were podcasting, I am all in. I am all Red Sox. I'm going to be wearing all Red Sox all the time. And I am so excited that I finally have a good excuse to talk about the Red Sox as much as I do
0: without permission on this podcast. Our listeners will be shocked by this turn of events that, yes, Potty Mouth is in fact going to be wearing Red Sox gear and talking about the Red Sox ad nauseum. (laughs) I am so excited. never happens. How about you talk about the Red Sox more? I would love to talk about the Red Sox more. I'm
1: like bouncing. I'm bouncing. And and poor El Jefe is going to have to turn down all the volumes here. But first of all, the Red Sox gave Red Sox fans fucking heart attacks throughout these two series because the games would be tight. We'd be going into the ninth, and Kimbrell is usually the lights-out closer. And he was not lights-out. He was not not even close to lights-out. He actually apologized for giving Red Sox fans heart attacks. And I bet you that there there were several. I would be willing to bet that there's somebody in East Boston somewhere who had a heart attack because of Craig Kimbrell. In five postseason appearances, he led up six hits, five runs, he hit two batters. He walked six. He got eight strikeouts in five appearances. You know, a good closer is supposed to get that in one. That's supposed to be one night. And he loaded the fucking bases twice. And thank goodness for Ben Benintendi to save that
0: from him. So what is going on? Why is he? Why is he closing? Why is Cora still putting him out there? If, if it's all, I mean, he's he's come out with the wins. But oh, my God. He's not been what we expect from a closer. Mm -hmm. And Cora kept his faith. He
1: did not flinch. He did not take him out ever. He put the starter relievers in before Kimbrel and made sure that Kimbrel was closing regardless. Thank God Eric Gagne, a a previous Red Sox pitcher, and I remember the Gagne days, happened to be watching the the, the game from his living room on TV, and he noticed Kimbrel tipping pitches. Which means nothing illegal, just that he was giving a certain, he was moving a certain way before certain pitches and the other team figured that out. So they knew when a fastball was coming. They knew when a slider was coming. And he didn't realize that. He, Cora immediately put Gagne in touch with Kimbrel. He picked up on it. He realized they had something there. They started studying the footage, and they realized something was going on. Game five of the the last season against Houston. Of the last season. Fuck. The last game against Houston. Totally different story. No hits. One walk. Two strikeouts. So tipping pitches is something. There's more going on with the Red Sox. Uh, Stomach problems.
0: Chris Sale was our opening pitcher. He lost the game. He did not look good. We all were watching and saying, something is wrong with Sale. This is not how Sale pitches. After that game, he was taken out with stomach problems. And the stomach problems
1: were so bad that he went to the hospital. He missed his second opening. And now he just had his first press conference to ask if he's going to be ready for the World Series. And he said he was, and with total deadpan, convincing manner said that the stomach problems were just due to him taking his belly button ring in and out too much. <laughs> so it was irritating the area. So I happened to be on social media at the time this was happening, and all of a sudden all these reports come out about why is this pitcher wearing a belly button ring? What a bad idea. Nobody realizing that you know, maybe he just doesn't want to answer the fucking question. And he's just diverting the attention.
0: So I am such a mom, I would have completely fallen for that. And I was saying, see, see, that's what happens when you pierce parts of your body is it shouldn't be pierced, you're going to get an infection, you're going to end up going to hospital, you're going to lose the World Series. I would have fallen for that completely.
1: Yeah, I was actually saying true? It, it. I doubt it. Nobody has proven it one way or the other. But I know that some reporters have looked up past topless. Uh, Photos of him and have found no evidence of a belly button ring. So there you go. Speaking of photos, though, a certain photographer was found outside of the Red Sox dugout. This dude taking pictures who turned out to be the same dude who is taking pictures in Cleveland, also of the Cleveland dugout and an employee of the Astros. So the Astros say that this guy was taking pictures because in in Red Sox situation that they thought that the Red Sox were doing it. So he was trying to catch them in action. And somehow it all got
0: dropped and Cora said, no big deal. Right. So this was a guy in a suit with a cell with using his cell phone to take pictures of the opposing team's dugout. This is not high-tech. This is obvious and low-tech and a little bit weird. And yeah, so this guy's name is Kyle McLaughlin, and it is not the Kyle McLaughlin of Twin Peaks fame. So just so you know, it's a different Kyle McLaughlin altogether. And he probably wears suits that aren't quite as nice as what our Kyle McLaughlin would be wearing. So Major League Baseball said they investigated. There were complaints. Actually, Cleveland was warned about the Astros. Cleveland then warned Boston about the Astros and it's about this guy doing this thing and major league baseball believed the line that oh no I'm not trying to cheat I'm making sure the other teams aren't cheating so major league baseball said eh, it's fine it's fine but then they did say you shouldn't concern yourself with policing this we'll take care of that so stop it so they called a halt to it and i think the halt is to things As to that one guy in a suit with a cell phone, who knows, you know, what else is going on. But they seem to have dropped it. And a lot of people have been writing about that and saying, "Okay, cheating in baseball has been going on for frickin' ever. And Major League Baseball needs to figure out what's cheating and what's not cheating. And one of the reasons that sort of popular opinion is that they dropped it right now is that If they pursued it and decided that it was a bad thing, then it calls into question a lot of the regular season with the Astros and other teams, and possibly the results of the last World Series, which the Astros won. And Major League Baseball does not want to create that havoc. So there's a line between what's cheating and what's not. And right now, that line is not drawn by Major League Baseball. It's drawn by popular opinion. If, like you described about Kimbrel tipping his pitches, if The other team, meaning the players and the coaches, figure it out from what the pitcher is doing or what they see the catcher doing. They're smart. They're playing baseball smart. If it's people outside of that ring, like in this case, an Astros employee, but not a player or a coach, using technology, whether it's a cell phone or something a little bit more, that the funny thing is, the Astros apparently actually employ ex NASA employees. So the joke is, really, we'd have a guy in a suit with a cell phone. We've got NASA employees on staff. We could do better than this. Throw in some drones, right? right? Something, something. When technology is involved or that sort of outer ring of people is involved, then the popular opinion is, well, that's not OK. That's cheating. So there's kind of a, a division between what's decoding, which is what players will do, and what's cheating, which is really stealing the science and not just learning the science by paying attention, right? Another way to look at this, in the past, you know, Players review game tapes. They watch videos of the, the game, the, the team they're going to play against, right, to figure out what that team does and what situations they can learn from it. So um, Cal Ripken, for instance, was famous for watching game tapes and being able to decode the signs. So when he's at bat, he's he was successful, right? That's OK. That's qualitatively different in popular opinion from somebody watching a live broadcast and seeing the signs and communicating that to the batter somehow. That is seen as cheating.
1: I think the difference is being smart. Like if you can prove that you're smart, like you're working with the system, mm-hmm. it's impressive. And as a teacher, I've got to say people should be rewarded for doing their homework. If you're really thinking and doing this, but like that slipping somebody guy, some guy in just seems like an easy way out. I guess that's – like I've been trying to figure out in my brain why I totally agree with what you're saying for popular opinion, that I'm totally fine with one – and not with the other. And I think it depends on the degree of mental grappling and actual understanding of the game, right? It's got to come down to the understanding of the game. Somebody's got to be able to figure it out, and that's smart.
0: Let me give you three quick historical examples, and you can help me figure out if these are cheating or if these are just hilarious or what these are. So in 1951, the Giants had a guy using a telescope in the outfield. There were offices above the, so he wasn't like in the stands. He was like in an office, but I mean, come on, you wouldn't look up and see an open window and a guy with a telescope, right? So he is watching from center field, watching the signs and communicating via buzzers, right? To the dugout. And then they're communicating to the batter what's happening. This was so effective for them at home games that that year the Giants had a home record of like 26 and four, because they had the sky with a telescope.
1: That almost goes into the smart category.
0: Like, that is so <laughs> brilliant.
1: And if you can't notice, the fucking telescope up there. Like, that's, seriously. That's
0: more the dumb category for everybody yeah. else for not saying that was there. Okay, so how about this one? In 1973, the Texas Rangers accused Bernie Brewer, the mascot of the Milwaukee Brewers, of stealing signs and using his cheers. He varied his cheers and possibly taking off his white gloves or not to convey – what the signs were to the batter. That is a wicked smart mascot. Wicked (laughs) smart. That's really cool. That's brilliant. And this one is gross. You ready? This one's painful. Uh Uh-oh. In the 1900s, this is one of the first sort of documented uses of technology. I guess we can call it technology. These are the Marconi days, my friends. Okay. The Phillies put a telegraph line in between the, uh, sorry, telegraph wire from the outfield to the third base coach's box. That's where the third base coach stands. You'll see like a little white paint where where he's allowed to stand to, you know, to coach the guys coming into third. And he sent electric pulses through this line. Well, how did the third base coach know what was happening? He put his foot in a puddle. Oh, mother mother instinct here. That <laughs> is so bad for you. So what happened was this foot in the puddle conducted the electrical pulse through his body and his leg would twitch. No. And the twitching no. leg conveyed what th- was going to happen, what the what the pitch was going to be. So I'm just saying number 1 ew and number 2 this really is good evidence for pace of play. If the pitchers would just get rid of the ball a lot faster, there wouldn't be time for mascots to change their cheers. There wouldn't be times for people to send electrical pulses to puddles of water or use a telegraph or an Apple watch. In the case, ooh, that was a Red Sox scandal. Whatever it is, right? Speed it up or figure out what's allowed and what's not, but draw a line and make it a policy. Right now it's all up in the air and people are just complaining.
1: I just hope that the puddle guy's mom didn't know about that.
0: Oh, it's really a mom-heavy episode, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. We're all about the moms. That might want to take care of the boys and no one want them to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Vocabulary lesson. Okay, that was your history lesson. This is your vocabulary lesson. Fan interference. All right? So if you watched game four of the Red Sox Astro series, and I'm betting you did because it was it was a doozy, right? You saw Mookie Betts reach up into the stands to pull down a home run ball. He wanted to save that home run, right? Everyone agrees that fans got their hands on Mookie Betts' glove and prevented him from catching a ball. How do you decide if it's fan interference? Well, if you're potty mouth, you decide that it is because you're a Red Sox fan. Damn right. But if you're going to follow the rules, here's what you have to go by. I do that too, really. Yeah. the <laughs> In this case, there is an actual specific rule. I think we've talked about it before. If the player reaches into the stands, if they cross out of the playing field, all bets are off. Fans have just as much right for that ball as the player does. Whatever happens out there can't be called. If the fan reaches into the field of play and and causes any, any problems, then it is fan interference. So Joe West, country Joe West, sees this play, and he says that the fan reached out into the field of play and hit Mookie Betts's glove and caused him to miss what would have been a catchable ball, right? And so that play was not a home run. It was a double, right? This was Altuve's hit, right? It would have been a two-run home run. That would have tied the game, right? This may, if it was a different call, if it was a different outcome, it may have changed what happened in the game? It would have at least tied it up at that point, and then who knows what happens. So they
1: ruled it out, though. They
0: had, but they ruled that it was fan interference. Right, right. And so it therefore, out. therefore, so therefore, it wasn't a home run. Right, right. But they ruled it out; it wasn't a double. Okay, yeah. Okay, so even better. So or worse. Yeah, because here's what: so they have a million cameras on the field, right? The only thing that AJ Hinch, the manager of the Astros, has said in the past many weeks that I've appreciated is he said, "You know, we went into this game. People were complaining about too many cameras, referring to the guy in you know with the cell phone camera trying to see if people were cheating or not. And now the problem is there are not enough cameras. There was one camera that would have showed definitively whether Mookie Betts was in in the field of play or his mitt was in the stands, and their view was blocked by a security guard leaning over to see what would have happened. So when plays are reviewed." right? The only thing that the people reviewing the plays, the people back in New York can do is they can say, is there enough evidence to overturn the call? And there wasn't. So actually, it wouldn't have mattered what Joe West said. He could have called it a home run or he could have called it fan interference and New York could not would not have overturned the play because there wasn't enough evidence either way. In any case, Altuve didn't get his home run and that the rest is is history. Yeah. So the question is, were the fans hands
1: over the wall? There's a dividing wall, right? That means out of the park or in the park. And there's and a yellow it...
0: stripe on the top of it really clearly indicating.
1: And it doesn't matter whether Mookie actually got the ball or not, because what the camera shows is the fans definitely hit the glove. The thing, in, the only thing in question is where did they hit the glove in the stands or on the field? Joe West said it was on the field. The cameras can't tell otherwise. Every Red Sox fan will say it's on the field. Every Houston fan will say it's out of the field. But the way that the rules are, that's the call. And the Red Sox had nothing to do with that call. So what gets me is any blaming of the Red Sox for this situation because it's not their decision. It's Joe West's decision, and that was it. If it had been a home run, the game would have been tied. Not won by the Astros, but tied. Yes, it could have been won either way at that point. It wasn't exactly the deciding thing. And it wasn't the deciding thing of the series, definitely, because the Red Sox ended up winning three games in Houston. So that one play, not the linchpin of the whole thing.
0: I'm just in awe of how you can turn a vocabulary lesson into a very biased Red Sox opinion of the whole thing. Me, biased? Yeah, it's hilarious. You're hilarious. Uh, speaking of being biased... Oh, but something we can both agree on.
1: Fuck Manny Machado. Just fuck him. Now that he's not an Oriole, you can join me in this chorus. Because, cuñado or not, I was giving him a second chance because he's brother-in-law of my boyfriend, Yonder Alonso of the Cleveland team. I thought he was going to make good on the Dodgers, but no. In Game 4 of this past series, he had a collision with Jesus. He tripped Jesus, or he tried to trip. He Jesus. stepped
0: on Jesus Aguilar's foot on his yeah, on his ankle, yeah, on purpose. He did. everyone agrees on this. He
1: ran the base wrong. He went inside where Jesus's foot was, and he actually hit Jesus, and he's fined for it. It's an undisclosed. It's ten
0: thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> they, they disclosed it. It's ten thousand dollars.
1: All right, it's ten thousand dollars. Is that
0: enough for Jesus's foot? The brewers are a little pissed How off. How is he going to walk on water from here on out without foot problem? I don't know.
1: There's an issue here.
0: This is a big issue. <laughs> Yelich had
1: some things to say, didn't he? So I didn't get the exact quote. Could you please translate no, it for I me? No, I
0: cannot. I cannot. What Yelich said was it was dirty play by a dirty player. That is the quote on record. He also said some other words that only Potty Mouth can speak aloud as he walked away, which I believe endeared him to Potty Mouth. Now she wants to steal him from me, who's trying not to steal him from our friend Deborah.
1: But don't you, like, isn't this points against him for you for mouthing off
0: like that? I agree with him 100, 100 freaking percent.
1: This wasn't the only bad thing that Machado did this series, though. In game three, he had a bad slide into second two. that he called for.
0: Two. Two bad slides? Two bad slides. <sighs> two, two, yep. He slid into second, in second base twice and did the same thing both times, aimed for the person who was on second base. and who I don't know if it was a shortstop or if it was second baseman either time put his arm up in the air to try to knock them over while they were trying to turn the double play. If if you know, the first one they excused, the second one they called him on because clearly it's a pattern, and then the next time he does this.
1: He has so much history with this. We'll get into that in our very end. The Brewers fans noticed this and gave him a lot of love in Game 6 and 7. I guess it didn't work as well, but shower of booze for Manny Machado.
0: Right, and um, Chase Utley was uh, coaching him. Was, was People <laughs> asked him, because Chase Utley is famous for the Chase Utley Rule, is when he broke the second baseman's leg sliding into second. So, which is why this new rule is in effect. It's a couple of years old now that you can't you have to aim for the base, you can't aim for the player. And there, the the interviewers weren't asking Chase Utley about the slide. They were asking what it's like to be booed. Like, really, you're missing the point of this whole thing. My problem with this is that it's not going to affect his free agency payout because there are some teams out there. They're like. Awesome. He may be playing old school baseball, but we like that. He's giving his <laughs> all for the team, even if yes, he's geez. trying <clears throat> yes, even geez. if he's trying really hard to hurt other people, which mom hat I don't stand for. So in an earlier interview, Machado was saying, Oh yeah, no, I, I don't necessarily hustle the first base all the time. And then in the second breath, when he's interviewed about these slides and all of this, he's saying, Oh, I'm just playing hard. So my favorite outcome of all of this is um Craig Counsel, the, the manager of the brewer, said through excellent shade by saying, Oh, no, he's not playing all that hard. (laughs) That made me so very happy. All right. Quick thing about the Brewers. You guys gave it a good run. We love you. Thanks for what you did. And the thing that's going to be lasting about the Brewers outcome is their crazy strategic pitching strategy on top of what the Tampa Bay team did this year with um, using openers to do the first couple of outs and then switching to their traditional starter, that's going to make a difference next year. I think we're going to see a lot more of these crazy mixing up the pitchers, two innings here, two innings there, opening pitchers, not your traditional how long can your starting pitcher go before you bring in the relievers.
1: And just because the Brewers didn't win the series doesn't mean that wasn't effective because game seven, man, it's one fucking game, right? Yeah, no, it was was pretty effective. It was very effective. (laughs) Yep,
0: yep. All right, let's talk about some women for a minute. Happy stuff. Baseball for all
1: nationals. We talked about last year, it's getting bigger and better for next year. There's been a big announcement and it's going to be huge. It's July 31st through August 5th in Rockford, Illinois. The focus is growing the game. They're expanding it to eight and under. So ages seven to 18 will be playing next summer. And from now till then, We're trying to get the word out. We would like to support this for as,
0: as much as we can. And please pass along this information. I want to give you a good model for how to grow the game and involve more women in a sport. I spent the day yesterday with my daughter up in Newark, New Jersey, home of the New Jersey Devils, who had a great way of supporting their sister hockey team, the Metropolitan Riveters. It was their home opener, and the Riveters normally play their games in the practice rink adjacent to the Rock, adjacent to the Prudential Center, the, the Devils organization invited them to have their home opener in the big rink. They played at the Rock. They had their Isabel Cup banner raising ceremony because they were the champions last year. And what they did to help grow the game was they gave Devils season ticket holders free tickets to the Riveters game, If you bought a ticket to the Riveter's game, the Devils gave you a voucher for two tickets to a future Devils game, right? So they brought in people who may not come in, but they played this game in a place where people regularly go to see hockey. It's not somewhere else. And and we were talking about this, like the Rockford, Illinois has, has this great history for women's baseball, but it still feels like a novelty. We're doing it there because it's a novelty. And I think... If they continue to do that, that's great. But I think they should also try to piggyback on major league teams and play in major league ballparks because that's where people know to go to see serious baseball. It's the real deal. They had 2,000 people come to this Riveters game when the place where they usually play only holds 500. So it was a very good model, I think, for growing the game. And I think that baseball could learn a lot from that.
1: And we can model after a Little League World Series. Wherever the boys are playing, the girls should be playing too.
0: I agree. I agree. Hey, this week is the World Series. It's the World I'm so Series. so exciting.
1: I can't fucking believe that the Red Sox are in the World Series. I'm so excited. You can totally who believe it. You, but who you totally knew when we started this that I would be so happy right I now.
0: I did. I did. <laughs> okay, so here's my prediction. <laughs> the Dodgers have one edge and one edge only, and it's that in the regular season they they have okay. They their starting pitchers are mostly left handed. Their only right handed starting pitcher is Bueller. Bueller. Bueller And the Red Sox during the regular season don't have as good a record against left-handed pitchers as right-handed pitchers.
1: During the regular season. you am your you turn. off there. You'll because, get your turn. Wait, wait. Can I say oh, this Go one? ahead. All right. Go ahead. Call me wrong. So in the playoffs, the Sox have won three games against left-handed pitchers. Actually, they have won all their games they played against left-handed pitchers. And the playoffs are a new thing. So go back to it. I just had to say that. They weren't the Dodgers.
0: So (laughs) we'll see what they do against the Dodgers. Now, here's the hard thing for me. Typically, I would root for the underdog. As a Cleveland girl, I always root for the underdog and the Dodgers here are definitely the underdog. They had a terrible start, right? So I should be rooting for them. I do not want to see a World Series ring on Manny Machado's finger. I do not so, I'm going to go with the best team in baseball by the numbers. They're going to win. The Red Sox are going to win because, Whoa, you because said math. It. You said it here. You I said did it here now. I'm I did. So I said excited. it here now because math, right? Because math. Yes. So, I'm going to call Red Sox and six. I'm also going to say Machado is going to hurt somebody badly. Oh. There's going to be one brawl. Puig will piss me off at some point, not for his enthusiasm, but for his vulgar level of enthusiasm. And Potty Mouth will shatter my left eardrum at some point during the series. The most probable prediction of them all.
1: I like the way you think. I am so excited about this. I like the way you think. I'm going to just tweak it a little bit. Because the Red Sox in both of these series, that championship series and the division series that they just played, have won all of their away games. That means they are 5-0 and oh for away games. They only lost one game each series at the beginning in Fenway. So if I'm going to do that math right, I have to say the Red Sox in five. I also have to say that Manny Machado has zero friends at Fenway. <laughs> he had a hard slide. Talking about those hard slides he took into second base, we actually were there at the game in Camden Yards where he slid into Dr- Dustin Pedroia and I despised him after that for a very long time. And now that that feeling is becoming renewed, the one little tweak on my heart and on every Red Sox fan's heart right now is the manager Dave Roberts because he gave us the first
0: World Series. The manager ring. of the Dodgers, yes. Dave Roberts. Yeah.
1: He is going to be welcomed. I hope like a king at Fenway Park. He will get a huge round of applause. There are a lot of happy feelings for Roberts. He's a good guy, but then we've got to go and beat him. And when you're going to beat him? I'm 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 hoping in five
0: games. You're That's, going for five. That, I'm All going right. for five. Okay, so one fun fact: Clayton Kershaw has never started a game at Fenway Park. Interesting. Yeah, this is the first Red Sox Dodgers World Series. Yeah, so never been to Fen. Never, never started in Fenway. So there's that. So um, I'm going to be hanging out at Potty Mouse House. And um, I'm going to bring my earplugs because it's going to be really
1: super loud. And bring your daughter with her arm because she was really good at th- helping me throw things on target at the screen.
0: Yeah. You should know that the screen is not actually a television screen. It's not in danger of breaking. So we'll be OK. It's a projection. The wall's going to be a little banged up by the time this is over. Because it's World Series week, we're going to be back to you sooner. We're going to come back mid-series on travel day and catch you up on what's happened there. So you don't have to wait, wait a whole week for us. But while you're waiting for us, please tell your friends to to check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Look for us on social media. And until then, say goodnight, good Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth.